Section 12 of the Science History of the Universe, Volume 6. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gary B. Clayton. The Science History of the Universe, Volume 6, edited by Francis Rolt Wheeler. Zoology, Chapter 8 The Vertebrates birds birds as a class are the most attractive of animals in intelligence in restless activity in compact graceful form in handsome colors and markings in musical voices they equal or surpass any others although egg-laying like the lower vertebrates they give far more care and attention to the incubating of the eggs and the rearing of the young Family life is well developed among them, whereas among the lower vertebrates can be found only some scarcely recognizable beginnings of it. It is easy to understand and appreciate the actions and sensations of a bird where those of an ant are strange and foreign to the mental attitude of the human. Birds, too, are peculiarly the friends of man and his relations to the world of nature. They are the great natural check upon the multiplication of his insect enemies. It has been said if it were not for birds, the world would be so overrun with insects that all crops would be destroyed, successful farming would be impossible, and in consequence civilized man could no longer maintain his existence. This assertion greatly overrates their importance to civilization in regarding them as indispensable to its continued existence. For, besides the birds, there are other important natural checks upon the indefinite multiplication of noxious insects, aside from the artificial checks devised by man, or which would be devised if the need for them were sufficiently urgent. Yet the services rendered by birds to the farmer are truly of immense value, far outbalancing the occasional toll taken from his seed corn or his chicken yard even by those birds which are most generally counted as his enemies a bird says godot quote, may be known by its feathers end quote. for all birds have feathers and no other animal possesses them in other ways they form the most compact and readily distinguishable of the four groups of land vertebrates they are all surprisingly alike in construction of skeleton and in the anatomy of the soft parts. With all their wide diversity in size and form and habits of life, it is singularly difficult to distinguish the bones of the different groups. The reason for this would seem to be that successful flight in an animal as large as a bird involves a high degree of specialization and mechanical perfection of skeleton and muscles, and limits the variations that may occur within rather narrow lines. The wide diversity of form and structure that exists among the mammals is not here found. Yet birds are an equally ancient group, and have had ample time to assume diversity of form in relation to their diversity of habits, hardly less than that of terrestrial quadrupods. On the other hand, they show much more variety and brilliancy of color. The high degree of specialization of birds appears throughout their organization. The forelimbs are modified to serve as wings. The neck is long, the tail short and rudimentary so far as the skeleton is concerned. 
the heart is four-chambered and the circulation rapid and strong the body is kept constantly at a temperature of one hundred degrees instead of being only slightly higher than the temperature of the surrounding medium as it is in the quote, cold-blooded vertebrates the lungs are large and respiration is further aided by air sacs which expand from the bronchial tubes into parts of the body cavity and the hollow bones the muscles as in mammals are more distinct and sharply defined than in the lower vertebrates the brain is of much higher type than in reptiles and is comparable to the mammalian brain all in all the birds represent a development of the vertebrate stock ranking with the mammals as the highest type of animals inferior in certain phases of intelligence but superior perhaps in activity and perfection of mechanism the feathers of a bird serve two essential purposes in the first place they are bad conductors of heat and prevent the body heat from escaping just as does the hair of mammals thus the bird and mammal are enabled to maintain a high bodily temperature impossible to the scaly or naked-skinned reptiles amphibians and fish the high bodily temperature and rapid circulation are essential to the higher development and more active life of bird and mammal the second essential purpose of the feathers is to aid in flight while flight can be accomplished as it is in bats or insects and was in pterodactyls without the aid of feathers yet they furnish the most effective mechanism that nature has devised for perfect control of movement in the air with animals as large as birds the classification of birds is a most difficult problem the older arrangements according to habits and external characters do not altogether agree with the natural relationships of different groups it is nevertheless very convenient and the division into perchers waders birds of prey marine birds ostriches etc although known to be unnatural is largely used in default of general agreement as to the natural relationships of the different groups it may be assumed that birds are derived from some early type of primitive reptile nearly related to the dinosaurs in the early part of the age of reptiles this hypothetical ancestor of the bird would be distinguished from the small upland dinosaurs mainly by the fact that its scales had evolved into feathers thereby enabling it to maintain a higher body temperature and more active life its habits would be much like those of the ostriches but the tail long vertebrated lizard-like with feathers on each side and the jaws provided with teeth instead of a horny beak the transformation of the forelimbs into wings might result either from their being used as an aid to running on the ground or in making soaring leaps from tree to tree the second explanation is generally regarded as most probable the oldest known fossil bird the archaeopteryx of the jurassic period middle part of the age of reptiles appears to be in this transitional stage it was about the size of a crow and had the toothed jaws and long vertebrated tail of a reptile feathered like the shaft of an arrow its wings were short and small and in the opinion of some authors at least could hardly have served for true flight but might enable it to flutter from bow to bow the remains of a few birds of the cretaceous period have been found the two best known are the hesperornis and ichthyornis both provided with teeth but the tail is of the usual bird type 
Hesperornus was a marine diver, allied to the loons and grebes, and fully as large, but more primitive in various details of the skeleton. Ichthyornis was a flying bird, allied to the gulls. These three genera, Archaeopterus, Hesperonis, and Ichthyornis, are the most important fossil birds as regards the evidence they offer toward the problem of the course of evolution of the birds and the relations of the various modern orders. They are a long way, however, from clearing up the problem. Most of the remaining fossil birds are very imperfectly known, and a remarkably large proportion of the more familiar kinds are large flightless ground birds. This does not mean, as might be thought, that ground birds were formerly more abundant than now, but rather that on account of their size and habits their bones are more likely to be preserved and noticed by collectors than those of the smaller, fragile-boned flying birds. All that can be concluded as to the early evolution of the class is that they were derived from long-legged bipedal reptiles probably inhabiting the upland regions of the great landmass of the northern continents that they develop feathers from scales primarily for warmth secondarily for flight that they subsequently lost their tails and later on their teeth but that at a very early period in their evolution they had become differentiated into various habits perching running diving soaring since the center of dispersal of their early evolution was the upland regions of the north it is reasonable to expect to find the highest and most typical birds in that general habitat. Remnants of primitive bird races, archaic survivals, we should expect to find in the most remote southern regions, or among marines or diving birds, or especially among the flightless ground birds. To a certain extent, these expectations are carried out, but the birds are a race of ancient development, and their strong and sustained flight gives them great powers of distribution over distances and across barriers that impede or baffle the migration of terrestrial animals. The bird life, therefore, of southern continents and tropical islands is much less peculiar and archaic than the mammalian life. The very primitive races have long ago been swept out of existence by competition with more progressive invaders. The apparently primitive survivals, such as the ground birds which today inhabit Australia, South Africa, and South America, and others which have become extinct, such as the penguins of the Antarctic region, the loons and grebes of northern lakes, the auks and other apparently primitive types, all these must be regarded not as true primitive survivals, but as cases of at least partial reversion, of readaptation to ancestral habits from various stocks of more progressive and typical flying birds, where the conditions of their environment favored the development of types of birds similar in habits to early ancestors of the bird class. The ostrich is distinguished from all other ground birds by having only two toes. It is native to the African continent, but has been introduced in other arid regions with success and is the largest of living birds. A full-grown male stands over eight feet high and can outrun a horse. The handsome tail feathers have long been used for ornament, and the value of the annual output in South Africa is estimated at five million dollars, mostly derived from the large ostrich farms where the birds are semi-domesticated. 
the rhea of southern south america the emus and cassowaries of australasia and the kiwi of new zealand are similar in habits to the ostrich but of smaller size and with toes of the normal bird type among the extinct flightless birds the moas which inhabited new zealand in quite recent geologic times were related to the kiwi but reached a much larger size than the ostrich the largest being estimated at twelve feet in height the extermination of these birds by the maori natives dates not more than four centuries ago equally recent is the disappearance of the great apiornis of madagascar upon which it is said the eastern legends of the rock are founded the rock as it is described in the arabian nights is exaggerated and distorted into a flying bird of impossibly gigantic size but it may have been founded upon the eggs of these great ground birds some of which are still in existence and large enough to hold two gallons of liquid these great flightless birds are usually grouped into a subclass retite although they are very probably degenerate descendants of several stocks of flying birds there are other large extinct flightless birds in which the relationship to different groups of flying birds is more clearly seen such are the dodo and solitaire of mauritius related to the pigeon and exterminated only two centuries ago the fororachos of the miocene epoch in patagonia related to the modern sariema or crested screamer the gastornis of the european eocene related to the ducks the most primitive or degenerate of marine birds are the penguins of the antarctic regions flightless active swimmers and divers with the wings modified into paddles in penguins the three metatarsal bones of the hind foot are partially separate more primitive than in any other bird they are known to have inhabited the antarctic seas at least as far back as the early tertiary and are probably a very ancient group if future explorations should succeed in discovering fossil remains of the fauna which inhabited the old antarctic continent during the age of mammals it is very probable in the present writer's opinion that its higher land vertebrates will prove to have been not mammals but great ground birds of which the modern penguins are a solitary marine survival the divers and grebes are the most primitive of the modern flying birds aquatic or marine in their habits they are mostly heavy and awkward in flight or on land but excellent swimmers and divers using the webbed or lobed feet very effectively in swimming the divers are arctic the grebes cosmopolitan in distribution the petrels and albatrosses and their allies are strong flying ocean birds worldwide in distribution but most abundant in the desolate wastes of the southern oceans beyond all other birds they are at home on the ocean resting and sleeping on the surface of the waves resorting to land only for breeding purposes and nesting on the rocky ledges of wild inaccessible sea cliffs a much larger group of water birds is represented by the storks and their allies mostly wading birds inhabiting fresh water but some marine like the tropic birds gannets cormorants and frigate birds the storks ibises herons and bitterns the flamingos and pelicans are the most familiar wading types various in size and proportions in habitat and nesting habits 
feeding upon fish, frogs, and other denizens of the marshes and rivers. Many of the birds of this group are distinguished by their large size, handsome colors, and decorative plumes. The ducks and geese are a still more familiar group of birds, aquatic in their habits and mostly freshwater dwellers, but swimming and diving rather than wading, more omnivorous in their feeding habits than the wading birds. They are cosmopolitan, but most abundant in the northern continents. The domesticated species are of large economic importance, and the wild species form a considerable proportion of the common game birds. The eagles, hawks, and vultures are widely different in appearance and habits from the preceding groups. They constitute the birds of prey, excluding the owls, and are all carnivorous, mostly predaceous, living on land and preying upon smaller birds and mammals, or upon carrion, sometimes upon fish, occasionally upon insects. In accordance with their habits, they are swift and powerful in their flight, the bill is adapted to seize and tear their prey, the claws are sharp, strong, and curved. The condor of the Andes is one of the largest of flying birds, while to some extent eagles and hawks merit the hostility of man by their slaughter of smaller birds, their depredations upon the poultry yard, and their occasional attacks upon larger domestic animals, yet most of the hawks, at least, prey largely or chiefly upon rodents and, with the owls, are an important natural check upon their increase. As a class, they undoubtedly do far more good than harm to the farmer, and their persecution is often followed by a terrifying increase in the numbers of noxious rodents. The domestic fowl and their allies are the most familiar of birds and the most important economically. To this order belong, besides the domestic fowl, peacock, turkeys, and guinea fowl, the pheasants, partridges, grouse, and quail, the curassows and houtsen of South America, and many less-known birds. In the pheasant group are included the greater number of game birds. The birds of this order are generally polygamous, and the majority handsomely colored, especially the males. The rails, cranes, and bustards are a second wading group, similar in habits to the storks and their allies, but not closely related. Another order of very varied habits is formed by the plovers, sandpipers, and curlews, the gulls and auks and the pigeons, very diverse in outward form, but connected by common characters in the skeleton. The cuckoos and the parrot family, comprising the parrots, parakeets, macaws, and cockatoos, are distinguished by having two of the toes reversed instead of one as in most other birds, and a special adaption for climbing and grasping branches. A much larger order includes the nightjars, swifts, and hummingbirds, the owls, kingfishers, and woodpeckers, the trojans, toucans, hornbills, and various other more or less familiar birds. They are all land birds of arboreal habits, with short legs, the majority nesting in holes in trees or similar places, and the young are born blind and peculiarly helpless. Their feeding habits are various, the owls being predaceous, pursuing small mammals and birds and mostly nocturnal. The kingfishers feed upon fish, the woodpeckers especially upon boring beetles, the swifts and nightjars upon insects, the hummingbirds upon the nectar of flowers, 
while the large toucans and hornbills are mainly fruit-eaters. The owls, by their destruction of noxious rodents, render aid to the farmer that far more than counterbalances the toll they levy on his chickens. By far the largest order of birds is the passeriformes, including the songbirds and their allies. It contains some 5,500 species, more than half the whole class. To this great order belong all the true singing birds, besides many which do not sing. They are mostly of small size, of high intelligence, as shown in their habits, their nest-building, and in the care of their young. They are all land-birds, terrestrial or arboreal, in their nest-building, the feet adapted for perching, with one reverse digit and three in normal position. Their powers of flight, moderate or highly developed. A large proportion of them are seasonal migrants, traveling thousands of miles in their annual flights. They inhabit every region of the world, continents and islands. They range from seacoast swamps to above the snow line in the mountains. Forest, plain and desert all have their special types of songbirds, adapted in habits and plumage to the requirements of their surroundings. Their numbers and variety are immense and even in large ornithological books their mere enumeration is lengthy and cumbersome end of section twelve recording by gary b clayton